The portion of God's word that we will focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears bad fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is the word of our God. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our risen redeemer. Amen. The bailiff walks into the courtroom and says, All rise. And everyone rises. The honorable, fill in the blank, right? First name, last name, the judge walks into the room. And only when the, the judge is seated, then can everyone else be, be seated. Why such respect? Is there such a thing as a corrupt judge? Sure. There's sin in the world. Every one of us is a sinner. There are sinful judges, every one of them. And, and some aren't good. But why do we respect the position in general? Why do we stand as a judge walks into a courtroom? Why do we call a judge the honorable first name, last name? Judges in our culture, in our society, in our government have an important role to play, don't they? When they are seated, a case is presented before them. And in that case, facts are laid out. Evidence is presented. And what's the judge's job? It's to, con- to, to compare what is laid in front of him or her to a standard. The standard, of course, are the laws in our country. That's what we mean when we say judge, right? Compare what's before you. Compare the evidence before you to the standard. And then to make a judgment is to say it's in line with the standard or it's not. The person is guilty of breaking the standard or they're not guilty of breaking the standard. The concept of judging is pretty simple, I think. But I think there's a lot of confusion, especially amongst Christians, as to exactly what the Bible has to say about judging This is Matthew chapter 7. 
If you're familiar with the Gospel of Matthew, you might know that Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 form what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's this three-chapter section where Jesus is teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. And most of what he says is, do it this way or don't do it that way. It's a lot of a law is what we would call it, right? It's God saying, this is how you should do it or this is how you should not do it. And at the beginning of this chapter, in Matthew chapter 7, is where we find those very famous words that many people have memorized from the old King James. Judge not, lest ye be judged. And those words are so famous, people know them so well, that if you're a Christian who appears to be doing some judging, what do you often hear? I thought Christians weren't supposed to judge. Or something to that effect, right? Doesn't the Bible say, judge not, lest ye be judged? And of course we say, well, yeah. It does say that. And just to maybe draw a connection for some of those of you who've been worshiping with us, either online or in person the last month or so, it wasn't all that long ago, we went through a different one of the Gospels, and and we heard Jesus say things like, who are you to pick out the speck of dust in your brother's eye when you have a beam of wood in your own eye? First remove the beam from your eye, then the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus says basically the exact same thing in the verses right after judge not lest ye be judged. And I want to present you with a bit of a conundrum. Is there supposed to be a speck of dust in a person's eye? Is that how God made us? Are we supposed to have dust in our eyes? No. And so what's the norm? What's the standard? No dust. Right? If you see dust in someone's eye, what are you determining? Well, that shouldn't be there. That's not the norm. That's not the standard. Jesus here is saying, once the beam of wood is out of your own eye, in other words, that's not supposed to be there either, once you've allowed judgment on yourself, once you've allowed yourself to be judged compared to God's word and seen the sin in your own life, now... You can judge others in regard to what you see that does not go along with the standard of God's word. But only the things you can actually know. Can you read hearts? No. Can I read hearts? No. Can we read motives? No. What, what are we forbidden from? Whether the beam is out of our eye or not, what are we forbidden from? Judging hearts, judging attitudes, judging things we can't possibly know. But in regards to things that we do know, like clear sin compared to what God's word says, we actually are commanded to judge. And this is another example of that. We have the picture of sheep and and shepherds today. We are told that there will be shepherds who dress up in sheep's clothing, who appear on the outside to be good, but inside they, were, they will be ferocious wolves. You are told to watch out for them. You are told that by their fruit, you will recognize them. So you are to know what good fruit is and you are to know what bad fruit is. And when you see bad fruit, you are to say, aha, wolf. And when you see good fruit, you are to say, aha, good shepherd serving under the good shepherd. What we're going to talk about today is 
judging, but it's judging things we can know. Remember that. We're not talking about the thing God forbids. We're not talking about judging things we can't know. We're talking about judging things we can and do know. But this all assumes one thing. It assumes you know the standard. It assumes you know what God's word says. Because how can you judge whether or not a shepherd is actually saying what God's word says unless you yourselves know what God's word says? And so a good tree producing good fruit is a tree who knows what God's word says and says what God's word says. A bad tree producing bad fruit is a tree that does not believe what God's word says and says things that God's word does not say. And so by their fruit, not their actions, not their lives, but by their words, by their teachings, good teachings and bad teachings, good fruit and bad fruit, you will recognize them. Now, we were warned about sheep's clothing. And I wanted to spend just a few minutes talking to you about what that sheep's clothing might look like. If a pastor or a teacher or a podcaster or a devotional writer uses God's word, can they be trusted? If you find a devotional resource, a material online, a a podcast you like to listen to, a a preacher you like to, to watch, if they read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and following and then they explain it, does that mean that they're a good teacher? Or could they still be a wolf? Be on the lookout for people who use God's word. God's word itself, the use of it, could be sheep's clothing. Do you remember what the devil did when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness? He used God's word. Jesus, jump, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Does God not say that? He does. But Satan applied it in a way that God's word is not intended to be applied, a way that actually contradicts what the rest of God's word says. And how did Jesus respond? It also says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, Scripture was not applied to Scripture. Scripture did not interpret Scripture. Just because someone says, here's what God's Word says and here's what it means, does not mean that's what it actually means. So be aware. Be aware of people who use God's Word. Their use of God's Word could be sheep's clothing. How about this? You ever seen one of these put on a pastor for the first time? Usually it's held this way because the pastor is standing in front of the person doing the installation, the ordination, right? And after the pastor is, is installed and ordained, what happens? They, they put this on. Is that something God commands in his word? No. It's a tradition. It's a custom. But you probably noticed during the vacancy that when Vicar Limpert was here serving you, he wasn't wearing one of these. This, this has meaning. It's a yoke. It's a picture of being yoked with Jesus. The good shepherd and his under-shepherds yoked together. 
working together like two pairs of oxen, but Jesus is the one who does the pulling and teaches the pastor how to come along, just like you'd teach a young oxen with a, an experienced one. It's a yoke, it's a symbol, it's a picture that, that says God, through you, has called me to serve you with the gospel in word and sacrament. So when this goes on, can you trust me? Because this was once placed on my shoulders, can you believe what I say? Do you believe what I say? Be careful. This could be sheep's clothing. This could be sheep's clothing. The fact that I have a call from God to serve you can be sheep's clothing. There could be a wolf underneath. Are you, are you looking for one? So those two are kind of shockers maybe. The, 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 the use of God's word could be sheep's clothing. That the, the call itself could be sheep's clothing. What else could be sheep's clothing? This is a good one we got here. Boy, what a great example he is. What a great example she is. She carries herself like a Christian woman should. He's a great example of, of, of a Christian father, a Christian husband. The way he interacts with his kids, the way he interacts with his wife. Like, if that's what a, a Christian should look like, I want to follow that person. Because their life seems to match up with what I read in God's word. They look right. Even a life of outward good deeds can be sheep's clothing. So be careful. Just because you see someone, be it a man or a woman, a, a woman who leads a women's ministry or a, a man who leads a church or writes devotions, your opinion of them, how they look on the outside, how they behave, that could be sheep's clothing. Are you listening to their words? Does it line up with what God in his word says? And it's not just godly living that can be sheep's clothing. It's even gifts that God gives to shepherds. This shepherd empathizes with people unlike any shepherd I've ever met. This shepherd speaks unlike any shepherd I've ever met. This shepherd just cares, unlike any shepherd I've ever met, loves like any, unlike any shepherd I've ever met. When he speaks, I listen. He holds my attention. He moves my heart. Be careful. Even the gifts that God gives to a shepherd, even those gifts can be sheep's clothing. Are you looking for a wolf under sheep's clothing? Do you care about doctrine? Or is that for the theologians? Do you care what God's word says? Your actions will tell whether you care or not. If you don't judge your shepherd, 
whether that's me or the author of your favorite devotional book or someone you watch or listen to online, if you don't judge your shepherd or shepherds, you don't care about doctrine. You don't care about what God's word actually says. If you did, you would judge. If you did, you would compare what they say to God's word. If you did, you would want to know what God's word actually says so that you have something to compare the teaching that you hear to. But if you've fallen into a rut where you just trust me because this is what I'm wearing, or because I said, thus says the Lord, or because you think I'm a nice guy or you think I have gifts, if you just trust and listen, then what you're really revealing is an attitude in your heart that says, I don't really care what God says. And that's a dangerous thing. Because as Jesus described at the end of our text, there will be people who will stand before him on the last day, who will say, but, 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 he said, or she said, I I listened to them. And Jesus will speak these horrifying words. Away from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. The most striking word in this text was the word moi. M-O-I. Came up twice in Greek. Verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me. And again in verse 22, many will say to me on that day. Jesus is talking about judgment day. He's talking about people standing before him on judgment day. Not only is he the one that God sent to be the savior of the world, but he's the judge. And he's telling you exactly why he wants you to judge your shepherds. Because he says, you're going to stand before me and many are going to say to me, the judge of heaven and earth, and I'm going to say to them, to you, I never knew you. God's word matters. Doctrine matters. The things that God says in his word matters because there's one way. And as Jesus explains in the two verses prior to this text, the gate into heaven is really narrow And the path to hell is really wide and broad. There are many ways that lead to hell and there's one way that leads to heaven. And before I start bringing all these other scriptures in to tell you about the gospel, to tell you about the good news, I want you to look once more to the word many in verse 22. There's good news there. You and I don't perfectly care about God's word. We don't perfectly care about how to get to heaven. It should say everyone. Jesus should say to everyone on judgment day, I never knew you away from me. But he won't say that to everyone. He won't say that to you. Because you know the way. The only way. His name is Jesus. He's the son of the eternal God. He came into this world not so that you could do things for him, 
but so that he could do things for you. Jesus, the narrow gate, the eternal son of God, sacrificed himself for you. For all the times that you and I have not cared about God's word like we should. For all the times that you and I have not judged our shepherds and not listened carefully and asked pointed questions. Is this really what God's word says? People who haven't perfectly cared about salvation, who have assumed and trusted when we really shouldn't. Jesus died for those sins too. He defeated death to assure you that your sins and mine, which lead to death, are paid for. And eternal life with him awaits. The same Lord who was David's shepherd, who guided him through green pastures and beside quiet waters, the same shepherd who assured David that he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever is your shepherd. You know his voice. You know the voice of Jesus and the voice of any shepherd Serving you with God's word should sound exactly the same as the voice of the good shepherd. If it sounds different, in any way, run away and find a shepherd who says what the good shepherd says. Find a shepherd who points you to what God has done for you. Instead of putting the attention on what you're supposed to do for God, find a shepherd who tells you what God has done for you. In his first letter to a young pastor in training, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus died to save sinners of whom I am the worst. That's a good shepherd serving under the good shepherd. Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, not saying, do what I do because I'm so great. Be like me because I'm the best pastor. No. Jesus came to save me, the worst of sinners. And what he did for me, Timothy, he did for you. And I get to say the same thing to all of you. Christ Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the worst. And what he did for me, he did for you. And so brothers and sisters, judge your shepherds. Judge your shepherds. Judge me. Judge everyone who teaches God's word to you. Listen to what they say. Don't just believe them because they say word of God and then explain it. Don't just believe them because they have a call from God to serve you. Don't don't believe them because they're really nice guys. Don't believe them because they're so gifted. Listen to what they say. Judge your shepherds. Listen to the words coming out of their mouth and make absolutely sure that what they say to you, what I say to you, is what God says. Make sure they point you to what God has done for you. Amen.